welcome to Hit The Sit. We're back, it's been a little while, uh, but it's a, and it's a glorious day outside, looking out, sun shining. England just won the Wisdom Trophy and then played Ireland in an ODI and thrashed them. So it's a good time to be an England cricket fan, it's a good time to be playing cricket. County cricket returns today, the Bob Willis Trophy starts today. Cricket's well and truly back and it's wonderful, isn't it, Michael? I've had such a good time watching it on TV. Like, it's really been a highlight of my lockdown. And uh, I was hoping, because I'm going to be in London in a few weeks, I was hoping to catch some of the Bob Willis trophy, but they put a bit of, they put the brakes on that, haven't they? Because of rising cases, they've put the brakes on spectators being able to come. Because I've been getting non-stop emails from Surrey inviting me to go to the uh, trial game against Middlesex and then the first games of the Bob Willis trophy. But I'm not sure whether that's going to be happening in the next few weeks. Like spectators, members of the clubs being able to go. But no, it is. Cricket's back. You've been playing, haven't you, Rob? I have been playing. I've played. Calling really well in the um, in this 20 over tournament you were telling me. Oh yeah, yeah. There's this 20 over. I don't know what it's called. It's like some like Surrey camp club cricket Thursday night thing. But it's you bowl off like a five yard or a ten yard run up, whatever, and. Um, I'm, I lack upper body strength, and so I need a little bit of a run-up to get a bit, of, a bit of pace, a bit of carry, a bit of whip, all, all that kind of thing. And so I struggle off a few yards, and particularly on Thursday, it was a, it was a good wicket, and I didn't bowl particularly well, and to go, gone to a bit of tap in that. So unfortunately, which really irritated me, was these games getting recorded on play cricket. So my, my stats, my economy rate is going through the roof at the moment. I'm going at tens and over in a... Was last 12, week. Isn't it? Well, I went for 10, I went for 10s in the first game, and I might have gone for 12 and a half in the most recent game. I only got two overs before I got canned. Are you aware of, um, I, follow, I follow a few podcasts on Twitter, and I like the off-menu podcast with James Acast, Ed Gamble, and this uh, other Twitter account pops up in response to off-menu, it's called off-menu, their podcast, called No Context Off-Menu, and I don't know if you've ever seen these No Context accounts, but it did occur to me, if someone, and it'd probably be one of us, because we don't really have fan fans, genuine fans. But um, if someone set up a hit for six out of context account, I'd lack upper body strength would definitely be a contender for top of the list, which just made me laugh. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so no, but Saturday cricket a lot better. The rain came last week when we had them 61 for five off 30 overs in a 40 over game. So it's safe to say we were into them and probably would have won. But um, alas, but the weather's looking much nicer today. We're playing one of my favourite grounds out at Horsley and Send, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's good to be back, good to be back playing. But most importantly, for I suppose cricket fans, sadly Marriott Shot Cricket Club doesn't get a huge following, but the England team does, and England really felt this most recent game, they played well, played really well, particularly the bowling, and got a good win. I mean, thrashed the West Indies, really. I know it went to the final day, but obviously only because of bad weather. It was a, a comprehensive victory. Happy with that, Michael? Thought that was kind of England. They started very slowly in Southampton, but this last test at Old Trafford, you felt it was England showing that they are comfortably better than the West Indies. It does seem to be a pattern, doesn't it? That we start slowly, but as the series goes on, we get better and we kind of outlast the opposition. Happened in South Africa. Um which maybe is more surprising because we were the tourists and then happened here. And by the end of this series, I did feel a bit sorry for the West Indies. They've come over here. They've done us a favour. They've seen nothing but the inside of a hotel room for months. 
Um, and I, it looked by the end like, you know, with 129 all out, it, they wanted to go home, which is completely understandable. And so, yeah, I think England did really improve. The question is, how much was it England improving or West Indies getting poorer? Because they definitely got pretty poor of the bats by the end. Um, but I would just say, in terms of notable performances for England, Chris Wokes was bowling beautifully the ball. Obviously, Broad did brilliantly. And um, Ollie Pope batted well. Butler, I will admit it, really crucial not because he came in at a tricky time and you know he's now he would have secured himself a place for Pakistan but for me the highlight absolute highlight of the test was Stuart Broad's batting and I think after his first six I put a message in a group chat just saying I love watching Stuart Broad hit sixes exclamation mark because I do just this absolute crack as he hooks it and you're thinking where's it bounce I've completely lost sight of the ball oh there's the umpire's arms going up and he's just so excited to watch bat when he's peeing it yeah, he is. He, he can really whack it. He's got a great eye. I mean, he always has done. Um, but his batting now, he seems to really enjoy batting. It's very carefree. He used to, obviously, there were thoughts and hopes that he'd become England all-rounder early on in his career. And then there was famously, Varun Aaron hit him in the face and his batting went completely to pot. But he does occasionally have these, these knocks. I think he had one of the Ashes down under. Maybe it was at the MCG, he got a 50 where they're really, they're entertaining, to say the least. And he flashes at anything wide, anything short, just throws his arms at it. And that natural talent that he evidently has as a, as a batsman in terms of good eye and comes to the fore. And it was, it was, it was actually such an important inning. Yeah, well, because England were, having done so well, Pope and Butler, putting them in a great position. West Indies had started that morning fantastically, took a load of wickets. And he thought suddenly what should have been a good, England were hoping to clear 400. Suddenly it looked like they weren't even going to make 300. He walked out at 280 for eight um, and obviously left the field at 356 for nine. So, yeah, he, he did really well. The aerial cover drives were a real highlight, I thought. I, I didn't think they bowled well to him, though. I will say that. It, it, it felt like, I don't know, because he started teeing off, they probably got, it felt like they got demoralised pretty quick. He just kept bowling it in areas. He was going to whack it. Like Jason Holder, for example, really got pinged about, and I'd expect him to bowl smarter to Stuart Broad. Yeah, it was an interesting decision to bowl Holder because he is slower. And you think, I always think the, the last bowler in the world that Stuart Broad wants to face is Neil Wagner because he'll just bowl bouncer Yorker, bouncer Yorker, bouncer Yorker, and get him out pretty quickly. And for the West Indies, they, they obviously bowled with nothing but short for a while, but not that good short bowling and Broad was able to kind of sit back and throw his arms at it and then and then Holder came on he's just slower so there's less venom in a short ball from him than compared to maybe a Gabriel and so they didn't approach it particularly well I thought they went quite negative as well cap, uh, in terms of his captaincy holder quite quickly put men back on the back on the boundary was willing to try to stem the runs when they were only two wickets away from Rolling there were a lot of funny things going around on Twitter about Stuart Broad, the rounder, putting his case in for the World T20. Yeah, get, get, get him an IPL contract, all that. The, um, yeah, exactly. The, uh, the true rounder, Stuart Broad. Um, but, on, but on to Broad, later in the test, of course. I mean, he bowled fantastically and most importantly got his 500 test wicket, which is a mental achievement, really, isn't yeah. it? I feel like... His bowling strategy now is perfectly simple. You know, he pitches it up. He hits the stumps more often than not. Um, he now brings it back in as his stock delivery rather than going away. But occasionally one will hold its line, which might take the edge. And 
it just means as a pitch wears, he's so in the game. Because if one stays low, like half of his wickets were ball staying low. But I don't think you can call it lucky because he is playing for that. He is using the pitch. And I think it's a really clever approach. And his paces are still up. He's still bowling 85. So, yeah, I feel like he can go for a few more years yet. And I think there was a thing said after the game by Broad saying, you know, I'm not some isolated, ageing player. I really feel part of it. And I thought, do you need to bother saying that at this point? It's so clear. You've just said it with your performance on the pitch. You're not going anywhere. Whereas I feel like it is going to be difficult overseas to have both them and Anderson in the same test sometimes. But I think Broad has now stuck his hand up and he has jumped ahead of Anderson in the queue as the acting leader of the attack. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Michael Vaughan was trying to convince everyone that they should retire together, Anderson and Broad. And I, I just can't see that happening. Unless Anderson decides to play until he's into his early 40s and keeps up his high standards, then maybe, because then Broad will be older. But you do feel Broad's going to be around for a little bit longer. And, and I feel like the England attack is starting to maybe move towards the seam attack of Archer basically plays. I know he hasn't bowled brilliantly, but he's... He's just got he's that something. You want to play it. You want to pick him. So Archer, you have. Then you have, at home, you have Broad and Anderson and uh, a Wokes, probably, or or maybe sometimes if one of those three are unavailable, you play a Curran, uh, who I do think, even though they didn't pick him and obviously selection very justified, I, I still feel sorry for him. I, I'd like to see him given more opportunities, still Sam Curran. But then abroad, you play Archer and Woods and then maybe a, one of a, a Broad or a or Wokes or an Anthony, you know, a combination of that, but one then comes in. I and think abroad, you have to play Broad alongside Archer and Wood because he adds that experience and he's still, because of his new bowling style, I think he's still quite effective on foreign pitches. Um, whereas I don't think Wokes is, and the stats kind of back that up, don't they? Well, I'm just trying to get them up now. I'll, Wokes is test average with the ball at home is extraordinary. It's like 21. Yeah, it's incredible. He's as good a bowler at home. I mean, granted, he's taken some pretty cheap wickets against the West Indies here. and They did not bat well. Against Ireland, when they bowled them out in that second innings, and Wokes finished with very, very pretty figures. I think he might have been 6 for 17. You did say yourself, he was bowling beautifully that day. Yeah, yeah, he was bowling fantastically well. He's, he's, really, he's a really good player. And he's actually someone who's now more experienced because he's in his thir- well into his thirties, been around oh, England for a long time. He's obviously done, had a very good one day career with England. Important part of that as a World Cup winning team. You feel that he is, he's a great player, and the kind of works words you can you can bring them in when it's appropriate in around broad and archer. I, I just actually think more and more there's no you can't set right. This is our best seam attack. You just a bit like Australia did a bit with Pattinson and Stark and Cummings and Hazelwood and Siddle. You you just play who you think's best for that for that game and that pitch and tell all of them they should be ready to play every game. And they're all good enough to play any and every game. But we've just got this wealth of options that you can be. You've got to be flexible. I mean that's the key. Like you have to be flexible and just use them where it's best. And egos kind of have to go out the window a little bit. Um and, and sometimes the rotation can provide incredible motivation, as we've just seen abroad. Um, although I do think that was the wrong decision not to pick up that first test, but he's come back really strong. What is Wokes' average away with the ball? Let me have a look. Let me, let me get them up now, and then we'll be... Um... 
I think other notable performances, while you're looking that up, I think Oli Pope, like we said, there was no worry about Pope, but we said to ourselves he'll want to score. And he batted really well, although a little bit fortunately, batted really well. Um, Butler batted really well. Stokes, for once, failed. Just got, I think, undone by a, um, a good full ball that he wasn't expecting. He was expecting the bouncer. And also, Rory Burns and Dom Sibley both did really well. And in the second innings, Root, although I suppose you could say he did it when the pressure was off again. Then he did that beautifully to set up the decoration. in 68 or 56 balls, including a nice, nice drive for six. Right, well, I've got Wokes' bowling average home and away up, and I have to say it's not, it's not too pretty away. So it's 22.5 at home, which is truly outstanding. Uh, away, it's 51.68. Oh, that's even worse than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that was a lot worse. I thought it was going to be low 40s. I mean, he's, I mean, he's played 14 matches. So that's not none. So the thing for me was, do you remember a few years ago, Wokes went away and he came back bowling almost 90 and he took like eight wickets or something in an innings for Warwickshire. Do you remember? Yeah. And he got back into the England team and he said, I've gone away because I wasn't effective enough in test cricket and I've got faster. But then that didn't last. And I think for Wokes to be effective abroad, he needs to have that extra pace. And he hasn't been able to maintain it. I actually said to my dad, when we were going to Australia for the Ashes, which Stokes was banned for, I thought Wokes could be really important here because he was bowling really well that home summer, bowling in 90. He's a good batsman. I thought Wokes could really step up and fill the pitch, and he obviously didn't. And that is the other thing about Wokes. I just wish his batting resulted in more runs because you know he's capable of it. Yeah, what's his average? 25.6 in test crickets? It's not bad, but it always feels like he comes out and doesn't get any. Like I don't know. Yeah, that 100. He got that 137 at Lords, didn't he? But uh, that is what his talent is capable of. And also, do you remember in the um, World Cup last year, um, when he came out to bat at number three, um, I think against Australia, and he batted beautifully? Yeah, I think it was against the West Indies. West Indies. Yeah, um, and he, yeah, he did. He's, he's a good player. But maybe he's... I think he's... As you get older, I suppose, he starts... So he's seen it with Anderson and Broad. They're just focused on maybe what they're best at. And you feel that... Wokes, like with a few England players in that one day setup, suddenly that World Cup became really, really important and that was the big focus. And so he, he came back to a lot quicker getting the England test team. Um, but then the World Cup maybe started to take his attention elsewhere. He's the leader of the attack in the one day side. So yeah, and, and maybe he sees now that really, uh, to be frank, he'll be realistic about it. The likelihood is he's mainly going to be used at home and so he might as well just take bags of wickets at home, which he, which he did in this... In this test, we need to five from the final innings to win us the game. So you really can't argue against it, argue against his, his selection at home and, and maybe occasionally away. I mean, I know the average is poor, but he's a good bowler. And so if we're... If I just think with the batting, I, I just think with the batting for Chris Wokes to really nail a place in the side when there's so many others, particularly away, when there's so many other seam options, you really want his batting to be on fire because then it makes it much easier for them to shoehorn him in. Batting at seven for example. But yeah, no, he's a, he's a wonderful bowler and a great guy. Um, should we quickly talk about the ODI against Ireland? Pretty one-sided, although England did wobble for a little bit. But I was watching it live and I have to say, watching Sterling and Balburnie, their most experienced players, apart from Kevin O'Brien, get out in the first couple of overs to win it, I did think this game's not really going to be much of a contest. Yeah, it was... I would like... I, I, I was sadly at work and didn't get much chance to, to watch any of it. But do we win the toss? 
yes, I believe so. I think so. we did. And I just feel like, go on, like bat first and score 350. Make it a spectacle. Make it like an interesting game. Then you just roll them and then kind of knock off the runs as you please. So I thought maybe, I suppose there, are, there weren't it's, spectators, it's kind, so at least you weren't ruining their day. It's kind of like in the World Cup. Every time, I really like Afghanistan, really want them to do well. Um, and in the World Cup, whenever they won the toss, I always wanted them to bowl. And they kept choosing to bat. And I just kept thinking, oh, come on, if you bowl, you may skittle them. And this may be a contest. But if you bat first against Australia, it's not going to be. You're going to score 200 max and they're going to they're gonna walk it. And you always, want, you always want it to be a contest. You want it to be something worth watching. And in the second innings, it did get a little bit interesting when we were 78 for four. At that point, you know, it's quite interesting. England wobbling a bit. But then the experience of Morgan and Billings batted beautifully, actually. What's your take on Billings? Um, I don't know. I didn't really have any strong opinions on it at all. I mean, some friends are really like, angry that he kind of even gets picked. They don't think he's that good. Me too. I have friends like that. Yeah, they reckon he's just all England players just mates with him because he's filthy rich and they want to go and spend time in his massive houses. Because his, his parents are absolutely loaded, aren't they? Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, like top 50 richest people in the UK kind of thing. Multi, multi, multi-millionaires. Uh, but anyway... Uh, but I, I think he's okay. I think he's okay. I think he's just, you know, I feel maybe he, he does. He plays in games like against Ireland. We've got a slightly weakened team. He doesn't get in our best team. He might sneak into a squad. Might not. I'm, yeah, I, I've remarked. Well, not remarkably. I, I don't know why I should have a strong opinion. I'm, I'm very yeah. neutral on him. Well, I think people get annoyed partly because he has clearly got a lot of talent, and he's been in and around the setup for ages. He hasn't actually made that many appearances. It's only his most forty. He's only his fourteenth appearance for England in one days, um, and he also wouldn't have got picked for this side even this side reserve side if Denley hadn't done his back. But I'd much rather have Billings, who's still got time in the side, than Denley, thirty-four. I feel like with Denley, they're just trying. I think they they're trying to find a role for him somewhere, but I think it's just not going to happen. And him hurting his back and being ruled out of this Island series, I feel like might be the end for him. It could be. Oh, it's like I like him. I mean, I I don't think we all like him. Everyone likes Denley. <laughs> there's there's a number of players who probably warrant selection ahead of him. Certainly in the one day team, there's so many young and talented one day batsmen. You think of um, Banton, for example, or Phil Salt, Livingston. You think all of them deserve a a go before Denley because he's just he's just old. You just feel like that ship's out, particularly in the one day team and the Test team when we're we're slightly scratching around for options more to the top of the order. You can see why you turn to him. But um, say what's frustrating to watch about Banton, he comes in in the middle order for England when he plays, and he look he scratches around. He doesn't really look like the incredibly exciting player that he is. And I get why he comes in middle order because you've got Roy and Bairstow at the top. But I do want at some point them to get rested or something. I want to see Banton opening. Anyway, it's it's exciting times to be following England at the moment, um, both in Tess and One Days. One Days, the depth of the batting is just ludicrous. And I will say this, actually, Adil Sheed, I know he was biggest cheerleader, but he bowled beautifully. And he looked like he had a lot more snap in his action than he did in the World Cup. He's done, he had a lot more fizz. I think he's fixed his shoulder since the World Cup. He's bowling a few miles per hour quicker. And he was actually turning it. He had a supreme control. He ended up with um, beautiful figures of, I know it's against Ireland, but 10 overs, 26 runs, one wicket. Um, and it is very exciting, the prospect of having a fully fit Bashid with Moeen bowling very well at the other end. I mean, I know it's a shame the T20 World Cup's been postponed because I think we would have been really in the running. 
Yeah, it will still be in the running in a year's time for sure. I don't think anything's going to change in that in that time. And then there's another one a year after, 2021 and 2022. So could win it back to back. I don't understand that. They they do these 20, the 2020 World Cup just seems to happen whenever they whenever yeah, they, like they want to. <laughs> there's like I, I remember it happened 2000 and was it 2007 and then 2009 and 2010. Then there was like a massive. It was, oh, maybe then they did it every two years for a little while, 2012, 14, 16. Now we've got a four-year wait. There's going to be a five-year wait. Then two years back-to-back. Back. Just stick to it every four years, like a, like a normal yeah, tournament. It's bizarre, isn't it? Um, I actually had tickets to this year's World Cup in Australia. Tickets to the final, tickets to some England games. Alas, COVID has wrecked that. Um, have you booked flights or not? Yeah, I had to book flights. I'm going to move them back a year. I'm just going to go to the Ashes if it's not in Australia, the T20 World Cup next year. So it's fine. Everything will be well. I'll be in Australia to watch cricket in 2021. Oh, sorry, well, I'll, I'll see you there, Michael. I was thinking of going to that. So um, we're going to oh, hit for six wow. on four. Look at like, this. It's happened. I was trying to work out Brad Haddon, all the good guys. Yeah, exactly. All, all, all the best guys. Um, but no, final mention, David Willey has to be mentioned. First game for England since being dropped for the World Cup, not, not made into the winter squads. Talks about how he really lost his passion for the game, considered like, you know, dropping out entirely. And he's come back and he's taken Pfeiffer. Um, and he bowled really well. And I think I saw like, I think I saw, I saw a funny tweet. There's three things in life you can be sure of. Death, taxes, and David Willey taking wickets with the new ball. Um, and he does it. I hope he stays around in the squads because I think he adds a good option. Yeah, I do too. It was right he didn't get picked for the World Cup because he bowled so poorly in the build-up to it uh, that he's just, I don't think he could, he could justify his selection. But um, I think it shows real strength of character, real strength of character to have such a crushing disappointment like that, to miss out on that, to really kind of completely fall out of love with the game, but then to, to acknowledge that openly and then basically screw your head back on and work really hard and get back to where you were and look like you could kick on and do even better. I love that kind of thing. I just love it when you see people do that and show real. You've actually seen Moeen do it in a similar way. That he yeah. went away, come back, right, ready, looks hungry. Who is I didn't realise Moeen was that old. Yeah, he, well, he, he is. But the wonderful thing, that England cricket's turning into Italian football, mid-2000s. Got these guys in these strength and conditioning programs, and suddenly you got Jimmy Anderson's the new Maldini, Broad's the new Nesta, and they're all playing until their late 30s, early 40s. So, plenty of time left on the clock, yeah. It's true. All our supremo players are entering the uh, midlife crisis age. Yeah, well, particularly with Moeen, if he stays hungry and fit and keeps playing well, he can play for a long time yet because he bowls off spin and his batting slightly stands and deliver. He's yeah. not quick, and he's, he's never been a particularly athletic or gifted fielder at the best of times. When he does retire, he's going to go back to the Birmingham Prem and take so many wickets and score so many runs. Oh, God, he would absolutely ping it. <laughs> yeah, because he's the perfect club cricketer. Balls, ten overs, bats, wherever you need to, score runs, and he's like, and that kind of, like, the hand eye and that kind of thing. It starts to drop off in your 40s, but certainly for a little while, you can play at a, a very good level. Moto on Ireland, I feel like, I hope they make the series a bit more competitive going forward, but you really need people like Sterling to fire, Val Burney to fire, Kevin, I mean, although um, 
what's his face? Camford did bat really well. And Kevin O'Brien batted fairly sensibly, but it just feels like a bit of a mismatch overall. Yeah, and they, they, they lack strength in, in depth. And you feel like they were kind of respected and treated as a good side in international cricket based on the O'Briens and Sterling and Porterfield and you know all of those guys. But they're now getting old, starting to retire, and not that many of a new generation have, have come in. A, a couple have, but they, they, they're just not like that good. They just don't have that many good players. The hope is that obviously Irish cricket grows and improves and develops, but it may be a case of, well, often it is when you step up that top table, you see with Bangladesh how long it took them to be uh, a good side who you could lose to. And one day cricket now, you can certainly lose to them with Mushfiq Rahim and Nishaki Rahasan, in particular, big, great players. For a long time, he's played Bangladesh. He beat Bangladesh. And I feel it's going to be the same for Ireland until hopefully more top quality players come through and they have a, a real squad to select from rather than relying on three or four outstanding individuals. I do think the rule change is going to hurt them though because they've lost Murta to it. They didn't lose Sterling. But the uh, I, I know it's part of them becoming like a proper international side. So their players have to count as overseas players in the counter championship. But that is going to lose them a lot of players, I would have thought. Players who don't want to sacrifice their county careers to play for Ireland. Yeah, well, I suppose if you're Tim Mercer, you would, I mean, he's, he's basically done everything he needs to do in life. Got himself a, a test game at Lords, rolled England once. Yeah, because he's, he's getting on now. He's late 30s. And you think, right, job done. Don't need to play any more test cricket. I'll finish with my sixer and, uh, and leave it there. But yeah, yeah I, I, I think that will hurt them. And you, you need the backbone to being a really good side. Is you need a good domestic structure. Ireland's first-class cricket. I don't know too much about it, but it can't be great. Why don't Ireland play in the first-class structure anymore? Because they used to. Was in Ireland themselves. Yeah. Well, it's because of this whole they're now a proper international side. Uh, it's a shame they can't do both because that's the, it. Feels like that would give them the structure they need to then be a quality international side. Yeah, or even have, I, I, honestly, I, this exposes my lack of knowledge on this, but presumably they, they have some kind of breakup of first-class cricket around the, the four regions, like with the rugby, Leinster, Munster, Ulster and Connaught. Whether that might, that might not be the case, but it'd be great if you had those kind of teams could then partake in a bit of English domestic stuff, a one-day cup, a T20, whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. Um, because then you've got a load of Irish players playing a decent level of domestic cricket, against good English players and it just you know ups the ante that way as well yeah mm. should we quickly look ahead very quickly look ahead to Pakistan yeah well it's it's a quick turnaround hey what's the start 5th of August yeah. so um, it just means more cricket to watch yeah I mean I've, I've taken I need occasionally I just need a break from work for a day so I've taken the Friday the 7th off so I'm planning to just sit back watch oh, the cricket God. I hope the weather's okay I seem to have a knack of taking these one days off and it the clouds roll in and suddenly it's all a bit overcast and not great. And then they're back, are... back at work and the sun comes out. So, <laughs> Who are you most excited to watch on the Pakistan side coming over? Give me a bowler and a batsman. Ooh, um, well, batsman Babar Azam, obviously. And I like a lot of their, a lot of their, well, I suppose a bit of a confession really. Pakistan are my second favourite international team after England. Ahead of the West Indies, ahead of, and I, I, I just love them. I like their kind of, how no one like how they're a bit rogue. They've got some real rotters in that team. Um, you know, with stuff like you've had a 
the whole spot fixing back in the day. There's always been questions around the Akmal brothers. The Akmal brothers just they're, they're dodgy characters. There's something I there's a almost a, a romance and a charm to the Pakistan team. They're the, like the bad boys of international cricket in a way that I that makes me really like them. So I want them to I want them to do really well and put up a good showing as they have done the last two times they've come to tour. I think we've drawn the last two series. They, they came in 2016 and then again in maybe 2018. I think both finished as, as draws. But um, I think it'll be a good series. But yeah, Babarazam, you feel, for the first time since Muhammad Yusuf and Yunus Khan were really good, uh, they've got a, like a, a world-class, a true, out of a top, top draw. He's quality. He's drives. Oh, yeah, I, I, saw him, I was at Exmouth with a brilliant 100 in the World Cup against New Zealand. Obviously, one day game. But I, I'm really excited to see him. And I think it'll be a test for England because he's, he's head and shoulders above any of the West Indies batsmen. Uh, and I hope he really, really does perform well. I went on a holiday with some of our friends from the University Career Club. And I would say this might be a reflection on the place we were in, which was a slightly limited place. But I would say about 20% of the holiday was spent watching clips of Baba Azam on YouTube um, with just choruses of shot every single one of those drives and he is a quality player I'm looking forward to seeing um, Inzman's uh, nephew uh, Imam Al-Haq I think I really like the fact he bats in glasses um, that always makes me really like a player like Danny Vittori one of my favourites Jack Leach so I like Imam Al-Haq and I think Azar Ali does a pretty good job as captain so I'm looking forward to them but yeah Baba Azam is the Imam's I mean, a really interesting one, because he averages like mid fifties in one day cricket, and has started his one day career with a real bang. I think it's what he's called seven centuries, and he kind of played more than forty ODIs, uh, which is so he, he's a real talent. But his test test cricket as of yet, he has I don't think he's, he's maybe played ten or eleven tests, and he's yet to score a century. So, but you feel that that's kind of you. I'm hopeful that he'll kick on and really deliver in his uh, test, test batting like he has done in his one day. Because then the one day is that that top three of Fakhar Zaman, Imam Ulhaq and then Baba Azam is such an exciting and potent top three. And he'd love to see that kind of translate into their test team. Although, obviously, Fakhar Zaman will never play test cricket or not regularly because he's what a, player. a good old-fashioned like swing for the hills, play across the line. I mean, he's, he's a real authentic slogger. It's beautiful. Uh, he absolutely he mows it. Um, Mohammed Amir has ruled himself out of Test cricket, hasn't he? Yeah, he has done. That's a real shame because I like watching him bowl. Um, yeah, I do. I think from the bowling point of view for Pakistan, I'm looking forward to seeing Shaheen, a 3D, yeah, again. Um, it's funny how you go to one game and it really shapes how much you like or enjoy players. But in this game, this Pakistan-New Zealand game, that I went to the World Cup, he bowled fantastically, took early wickets, bowled quickly, got the ball swinging, looked like a bowler who could really perform in England. And so it'd be Who's great it? to see him translate that into Red Bull. So I'd like to see Shaheen do well because he's a young, young man. 17-year-old's name. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Nazim Shah. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him bowl because he bowls quick. Yeah, I mean, and he, I'm sorry, he cannot be 17. <laughs> he's, like, he's like 20, surely. I can't What's his name? Him. What's his name? I want to Google image him. Um, Nazim Shah. Because he, he's already taken a hat-trick in a test match. He took a hat-trick against Bangladesh earlier in the year. I just, 
Uh, he's just not. He can't be. He can't. He is a very well formed seventeen year old. He just looks like he has just become a man, and he is just bowling ninety miles an hour. And you're right, he's seventy. He can't be. I mean, the one I've always doubted is um, Rashid Khan, who's what meant to be like twenty two, and he just looks thirty five. He's just got the most middle aged bloke of a face you've ever seen. Yeah, um, it's like that guy Freddie Adu who went to play in the MLS in America. Oh yeah, and it turns out he was just five years old. Fourteen. You are sorry. You know, some people develop early, but there is no way. That man was four. He was fourteen. He was like six two, had like a six pack. You know, Melin Lukaku would bring his birth certificate to junior games because they wouldn't believe he was thirteen because he was so much taller than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had, a, we had a few guys at um, at my school like that who hit puberty up really early, and so he's thirteen or six three, and he was in rugby and stuff, which is wreak havoc because there was so much bigger than everyone else, and then everyone caught up and. Uh, kind of that massive advantage disappeared. But um, no, I'd like to say, I'm looking forward to Nazim Shah. Actually, the bowler I think, who I think they'll definitely will play and will bowl well is Mohamed Abbas. He's oh, a really, he's a really bowler. excellent bowler. bowler. And so I expect him to do well. And I hope they give the old dog, well, Riyadh, a little run out as well. Because, this could be a really interesting series, actually, because I don't think our batsmen are like facing any of them. Oh, no. Like, I, I fear it's going to be, well, I fear it could be slightly like the Ashes, where it was a lot of top-order batsmen not getting many runs. And then on both sides, a couple of players, a Ben Stokes or a Root for us, um, uh, a Babarazan for them, and perhaps occasionally Azlar Ali, who score a lot of the runs. And you feel you get them out, then suddenly you can bowl them for yeah. 20. So it might have another vibe to that. But it's going to be a great series. They're, um, they're a really wait. good side, Pakistan. I think you underestimate them at your, at your peril. And again, very good of them to come over in difficult conditions. So, yeah. Um, well, most of them got coronavirus, didn't they? In their uh, training camp a little while back. It's true, it's true. Players are testing positive left, right and centre. But, um, <laughs> they'll fit right in here then. Well, yeah. Um, hopefully they'll... Yeah, hopefully it'll still go ahead, obviously, because there's their concerns. And now they, they hope to get spectators. They've kind of pulled that back. The fear is that if cases continue to rise more then suddenly all our freedoms get strongly curtailed again, which could, could scupper the series and scupper the county cricket and, and scupper then the return of rugby and the starting of the new football season and, and all sorts. So uh, let's hope that certainly doesn't happen. We'll have to see, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm buzzing and I hope it doesn't rain on Friday, Rob. No. Uh, well, let's hope not. Um, but before we go, Michael, I just thought we'd, we'd finish with something. Now, you haven't actually heard these yet, so... Uh, we'll, we'll kind of, you'll listen to them now and then, and then give us your thoughts. During this summer of lockdown, I'm spending a lot of time with my wife, Sophia, and she doesn't like cricket and she doesn't understand cricket. And so the plan is, and the plan has been, to try and really get her into cricket. Haven't had much success so far. And so during the second West Indies test, uh, Old Trafford, we were in a pub having, having lunch and we were on holiday. And we got the live text up, and it was the Guardian or Telegraph website. And she reads through it and tried to explain to me what it meant. And this is what she had to say. Shannon Gabriel has to abort his first delivery in his run-up. His first actual delivery is wide, le- wide down leg. What's wide down leg? So you get on the offside and the leg side. No. Do you know what those are? No. Okay, so the offside is when you're batsman, so I'm right-handed, right? I'm standing there. The offside is anything 
so in wide. this direction to like the right. So anything right is off that's on that side. No, 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 no. It's just, it's just like calling it the right hand side and the left hand side. Okay. They call the off side and the leg side. So the leg side is anything on my leg. Okay. That direction. Right. So and it's the wide, isn't is that? So he says. So he's bowled wide down leg. Down leg. What's the down bit? We've bowled it down the leg side. Oh, down. it down this way. Am I right? If I'm backing and facing this direction. So it says really, really wide. He looks a bit stiff. The third one is even wider and evades Shane Dowrick's left hand for four wides. What? Four wides. For four so wides. So you know when you bowl it wide? What's one wide? So one wide. So you, every time someone bowls it really wide, like two wide, so off the pitch. Okay, fine. So it's the umpire signals are wide, okay. and it you've got to bowl the ball again, and the batting team get an extra run. Because it's gone for four wides. Well, he's done. He's bowled four it. in a he's row. Bowled it. No, he's bowled it. No, no, not these four balls in a row. Okay. One ball. Yeah. Because he's bowled it really, really wide, so wide. The wicketkeeper, Shane Dowrich, he's missed it. Well, just remind me what he does. He's the guy. He's the guy with the gloves behind the stumps. Um, he's missed it, and it's gone. The ball's gone all the way to the boundary at the back, and so it's so gone where for it four. would be a six. Yeah, or a four. Okay. It's gone on ground. It's gone for four. Okay. But it's wide. So it's four. Oh, wide. no, so it doesn't actually, count. Actually, it's technically but it's it five count. wide. No, it does count. It's, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen from the bowler's point of view. Because they've just got four. Yeah, you've given the batting team four, oh, no. four runs, and the ball has to be bowled again. But it would actually be five wide, because there's a, a run for bowling wide, and then the ball's gone for four. Oh, no. So that's why it's five oh, wide. Oh, dear. Third delivery, down leg. Oh, I know what that is now. But not quite as much. His third legitimate delivery is the first outside off. First out, so, what? So outside off. Oh, this, can I just say, this, this is why I can't get into cricket that much because there's so much jargon. Well, I need a dictionary. The for end of, yeah, well, yeah, you basically do. Not there's quite only about, as much. About 20 terms. Third legitimate delivery is the first outside off. So that means it's this side of the. I'm batting, here are the stumps. Yeah. This, down this channel here, that's outside off stump. That's a good place to bowl because it's the hardest to hit. It's the most likely to like exit and there's a bunch of people standing there to catch the ball. What's edging it? Hits the edge of the bat. Okay. That makes sense. Don't look at me like that. Um, so, so, yeah, and so that's, is he won a ball there? Right, here we go, recent update. Big shout for LBW on Burns though. Umpire says no, two noises and may not have been hitting, but good delivery that evaded Burns' defence. A maiden. Okay, I literally didn't understand a word of that. Okay. I'm so let's, sorry. Let's I know what LBW is, so big shout though for LBW. So you know when they think it's LBW, they, they appeal. They go like, have that! the umpire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the umpire. Um, so then the, and then the umpire basically decides whether like, it's out or not. They lift their finger. Well, he says, says no, so it's not out. Yeah, so big shout means, oh, it's going to be close. They're like, how's that? How's that? Okay. Not out. Oh, the umpire says no. Two noises. So. One of the ways you can't be out LBW is if you hit it first. Yeah. It's a two noises. The suggestion is it's gone, it's hit his bat and then hit his pad straight after. Like it's like. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Boom, boom. And so the two noises are probably what made it's the umpire think. Not, very not say. out. Well, it isn't, it isn't. You know that. Once you play cricket and follow it a little bit, you, you know that straight away. Like eight year old me would have understood what that meant. Okay. And may not have been hitting the stumps. But good delivery that evaded Burns' defence. So, so just good, good a good bowling. ball. Yeah, it's a good yeah. ball that evades. So he's trying to defend. Okay. He's missed it. The final sentence is a maiden. So a maiden is when I. I do, I, I do think that you should do a, have a cricket dictionary, a hit for six cricket dictionary, because this is uh, there is a lot of jargon. You just said yourself what we're reading. Yeah, no, there is, but a maiden's a maiden. Doesn't go. Well, I really enjoyed that, Rob. I think it's a wonderful start in a potential new little series of us of uh, explaining cricket to uh, people who are new to the game because it is an unbelievably complicated and 
frustrating sport to explain to someone. I think Sophia's idea of a hip six cricket dictionary is a wonderful one, which we get working on. Um, and I think you did a very good job of it. I would say um, it only gets more complicated as you get further into the game. Um, and I think, yeah, starting from scratch, trying to explain to someone what a wicket means when it's got about eight different meanings is pretty tricky. <laughs> and there's, it's, it's just like the jargon, like a maiden. So it was describing that LBW shout for Rory Burns that given not out. And then the final phrase is a maiden. Well, I just... If you can... is there, like, what's, what's a maiden? Like a fair maiden in distress. Like, how has that got anything to do with anything? It's, it's stuff like that. And If you go through fielding positions... Slip, like, gully, obviously all the silly mid-off, silly mid-ons. Leg slip. Silly point. Mid-wicket, fine leg, long leg. What's the difference between fine leg and long leg? You've got sweepers, he's got sweepers on both sides. Yeah, on the 45. On the 45. I mean, what? I mean, obviously it makes sense because it's the 45 degree angle from square the wicket to the stumps, but on the 45. I mean, well, ridiculous. Your sentence could be, all right, so you're out on the one, you're out on the 45, and make sure you're tight on the one. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. It makes perfect sense. There's millions of people around the world, but not to people who don't know cricket. Oh, um, it's not easy to explain if you're watching slash playing it, because you can visualise it a bit easier, that leg off thing. Yeah, and so I did, obviously you can only hear, sorry that the audio wasn't fantastic, we were in quite a noisy pub. Oh, I heard you so, did a demonstration, it's nice. Yeah, I stood up and said, you know, there's um, like the off side of this side, if I'm left-handed and slot round it, it'd be this side, and tried to make it a bit more visual. But it's, in all seriousness, it's, uh, it's a real barrier, the, the jargon of trying to get into it, because football is pretty simple. Pick a ball into the net, it kind of makes sense. Cricket is just a bit more nuanced. Personally, wins the team that gets the most wickets or the most runs. Overs, overs matter. How many overs you bowl or bat matters in some forms of cricket, but not in others. When's the difference? All those kind of things. Why do they? You know, even little things. Why do they wear white and use a red ball in that game, but use a white ball and wear pajamas in another game? So many things to kind of explain. They're just they're all just little barriers, and there is I something think, to be said. I, for, I think if you can just watch cricket, you can get into it. Like, I got into 2005 not understanding it because it can be exciting. And that is why it's so... I was actually, I was actually talking to my Sophia about this yesterday. So watching Jack Whitehall's programme, um, all about sporting history of England, and it was looking at 2005 Ashes. And I was explaining to her, this is how I got into cricket. And she was getting into it because it was such a good series. Um, and I was saying to her, it's such a shame that it's not on free-to-air television because if it's not on free-to-air television, kids aren't going to get into it. And the World Cup on it was wonderful and it needs to be more of that. And I think the other thing Sophia said is she said she should get into it going to games. So I was planning to take, get tickets to the 100 and get along to a couple of games of the 100. Because I do think that would be a short pack. Because, you know, day test cricket can be pretty long. And if you just watch Dom Sibley and Roy Burns door it for the first two hours, you're <laughs> slightly thinking, well, like, I don't really stuff to go on here. So I think the 100 could be... Well, I was hoping it'd be a little sort of would be as the ECB wanted to be the gateway drug, and so that was the plan for this summer. But obviously, that will have to wait till next summer. But that's my other hope: getting when you're there, the atmosphere and people excited and see big sixes and wickets, the stumps go, the stumps light up, all that to try and engineer more interest and excitement, and therefore follow it, and then that leads into further along the line. And before you know it, she's become the local scorer at. Uh, at the local cricket club. My sister you know. years at More Than Wonders, actually. Yeah, she loved it. She's fallen out of love with the game now. Anyway, that was really fun, Rob. Thanks.
and uh, no worries. You in I'm Australia 2021. Yes, exactly. We can meet new people to try and explain the game of cricket to. But hey, no, it's been it's been great to catch up. A fantastic series win to England. Many congratulations to all from hit for six to Stuart Broad for 500 Test wickets and bring on the rest of the Ireland ODIs and most importantly the Test series against Pakistan. Have a good one, mate. Cheers, Rob.